I want to go to one of my favorite books of the Bible, the book of Philippians. I love Philippians because it was written to people who were going through some very difficult times, and it is obvious from Paul's words to them that they needed a lot of encouragement for what they were facing. He talks about rejoicing in the Lord and uh, what what to to do in in his in your life, and he he point out <clears throat> points out so many important priorities. Uh, chapter 2, he talks about having the attitude of Christ, uh, having the mind of Christ, and um, living with uh, that mindset and, and so, so many other things. But I want to go to the third chapter, very <clears throat> familiar portion. I'm going to read two verses, verse 13 and verse 14. Philippians chapter 3 verses 13 and 14. He said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. If you would allow me to, I would like to read those verses to you from a couple of other translations. Uh, one is the Passion Translation, uh, and the other is one of my favorite readings, the Message, which is a paraphrase of Scripture, but it's so aptly uh, uh, speaks to us of the, in, in clarity what Jesus or what Paul was saying here in, in our text. And so reading from the Passion Translation, verse 13, he said, I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. And verse 15 goes on to say, So let all who are fully mature have this same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. And then reading that same passage from the message, I just want to read verse 15. He said, so let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. <clears throat> I I read that and those uh, particular words kind of had a way of getting a hold of my mind and my spirit. I want to share with you how to 
get everything God has for you. Amen. Anybody interested in that? You know, it, I, I am convinced that many uh, times we live far below our privileges simply because we fail to understand what is really available to us. And not only what is available, but when there is a certain attitude or there is a certain spirit involved in our walk with God, that it opens to us uh, so many of the blessings of God. And really, I, I think if I had a subtitle for this message tonight, I would coin a phrase that Brother T.F. Tenney was so uh, well known for, and that is keeping the main thing the main thing. Amen. Keeping the main thing the main thing. It was headquartered in Memphis, Tennessee, or it is headquarters in Memphis, Tennessee. And this company exploded into a worldwide market of prominence for deliveries. On March the 15th, 1967, this company began and in short order, it redefined the era of travel and became one of the leading companies in the industry. This company elevated a morning ritual to an all new level, exploding into worldwide chain with over 30,000 locations and it's still growing. It has created a culture all its own with its own language, with a fanatical following and a friendly experience all based on a popular drink. Perhaps you have already guessed who I'm talking about, but I'm talking about FedEx, Southwest Airlines, and Starbucks. Now what these companies discovered and what they pursued is what has set them apart from so many other companies of their like. There's always been a coffee shop but there's never been a coffee shop like Starbucks. They have their own language, their own lingo. I tried to learn some of it one time and I found out very quickly that my Texas slang doesn't say latte very well. But they have redefined the, 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 the drink that is up until that time was just a daily part of most people ritual. And yet they did it because they discovered and they pursued something that was vital to their success. What accounted for their success actually finds its roots in the word of God. It is a fundamental subject that so many things are tied to and some things that we desire tonight are connected to what I want to talk to you about, especially on our spiritual journey. What 
Starbucks and Southwest Airlines and FedEx, what they mastered is something that you and I need to master as well. What did they have in common? What do they have in common? They simply brought focus to one thing. FedEx wanted to do overnight deliveries. And so they developed a culture and a company that has done exactly that. Southwest Airlines began as a low-cost, no-frills, on-time airline, and they have taken over the industry, and they are still considered one of the number one airlines as far as economic value and on-time service of any uh, airline in the industry, and there are people that are fanatically connected to them simply because they focused on one thing. And Starbucks, you know this story, they focused on coffee. Now, they have a few other things, but those are not their focus. Their focus was that morning cup of java or that morning cup of coffee that we are so accustomed to. And while other companies were trying to do many things, they focused on one thing. Others were mired in competing interest. They had a conflicted view of what they needed to do. And one voice said, you need to pursue this. And another voice said, you need to major on this. And another voice said, you need to do this. And yet these companies rose to the top because they ignored all of those secondary voices and they focused on one thing that mattered to them. These companies became leading in the industries and they became a standard for other companies companies simply because they focused on one thing. And that's exactly what Paul was addressing here in the book of Philippians. It is a scriptural principle. Focus. Everybody say focus. Having a single thing that you are pursuing, that one single word focus holds the key to so many things that you and I desire in life. And so many areas of life and endeavors in life are wrapped up in that one word, focus. This element is critical to so much we desire in our life. The thing that we long for can be attained if we can ever capture the essence of what focusing on things really means. It has been people's ability to narrow their focus that has brought them success in their life and keeping the main thing, the main thing is the main thing you and I need to learn how to do. Amen. It is the fountainhead of successful living and it helps us to begin with the end in mind. Amen. Keeping the main thing, the main thing though is a difficult thing in the midst of 
the multitude of other things that are always vying for our attention. Keeping the main thing, the main thing is not always easy when we're mired in getting through so many other things. The challenge that is before every one of us is something that we deal with on a daily basis and every one of us feels and faces it at some time in life. It is the one of, it is one of the key elements that I have discovered in really growing spiritually. It is having a sense of focus or having a one thing that you pursue. The ability to get and maintain my focus is the key to my spiritual life and is the key to me overcoming every obstacle and distraction that life puts in my path. And it enables me to overcome my own failures and setbacks. Focus. For Paul to gain Christ, that was his desire. I think that's our desire. Is that not yours? To gain Christ? That was what motivated him. That was what compelled him. That's what caused him to risk his life. That's what caused him to endure all of the things that he endured, all of the beatings, the stonings, all of the rejection. All of that came about because of what he pursued. And that was a knowledge of Christ to know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and share in the fellowship of his suffering. To give meaning to his suffering. To give meaning to what he went through. You can only do that when you look at it from the perspective that we are looking at it from tonight. It only makes sense. Why would anybody put themselves at the risk that Paul put himself at and put himself in the hands of men to do what they did to him if it were not for this one thing that he desired. I, I need to know Christ. I, wanna, I want to have a relationship. I want an intimacy with him. That's what the word know means. It's not just a knowledge of him, but it's a relationship with him. You know, there's a lot of people that have a knowledge of him, but they don't understand that just because you have a knowledge of him, it it, it equates into a relationship with him. You only have a relationship with him when you walk with him and you talk with him and you live with him. That's when you get to know him. That's when you really get to know him. And Paul said, that's my only desire. So when you look at my life, I'm not a crazy man. I'm not a lunatic. I'm not suicidal. I'm not doing this just so I can show you how brave I am or how bold I am. I'm doing this because there's one thing that drives me. I want to know him. Amen. I want to know him. I want to fellowship with him in a way that is only possible when you 
realize what matters and you pursue that. And so when you look at Paul's life, if you're going to, to, get, to, to, to find any meaning in what he went through, and you can read it, Ephesians, he lists all the things, shipwrecked. How many times shipwrecked? Imprisoned, beaten with rods, stoned and left for dead, in peril by day, in peril by night. To me, it sounds like if you don't know the whole story, it sounds like some lunatic, some man gone mad, some fanatical somebody that has lost touch with reality. But the fact is, Paul was not suicidal and he was not fanatical in the sense that the world was viewing him. He was fanatical about something though, and it was that one pursuit. I want to know him. I want to know him. And that pursuit gave focus to his life. It gave him such an intensity in his life that he could bear all that he went through and as if it were nothing, I count it but dung, he said, that I may know him. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever really had to suffer in your life before. There's nobody in this building that I know of that's ever really been persecuted. Now, I know we may have had somebody laugh at us at some point or mock us at some point, but I'm not talking, I'm talking about persecution. I'm talking about taking you outside a city and throwing stones on you until you crumple to the ground as if you're dead. And they're your own blood kin. They're your relationship in the flesh. And yet Paul could shake himself out of that pile of stones and get up and go on and keep doing what he'd been doing, preaching the gospel. The only way you can understand that is when you understand Paul's motivation. One thing. One thing. Say it with me. One thing. One thing. Not ten things. Not five things. Not two things. But one thing. This one thing I do. His aim is to know him. And thus he has come to understand if I am going to have that kind of relationship with him, there are some things that are going to have to lose priority in my life so that I might know him, that I might fellowship with him, that I might have a relationship with him. There's some things that are going to have to just fade into the background because they're not going to help me or enable me to do that. His aim was to know him, and his life was all that he pursued. And here is what, here is what we gain when we live that kind of life. Here is what we gain when we learn from Paul how to get everything God has for us. This is how we do it. Number one, it will help you put your priorities in order 
when you understand that there's really only one thing you need to be concerned about, the primary thing, one thing. Say that with me, one thing, one thing. Here's what I gain when I live a focused life. My priorities become ordered. I'm not, I'm not dealing with conflicting interests all the time. I don't have to debate or question or ask myself, do I do this or do I not do this? Do I go or do I not go? Do I stay home or do I go to church? Those questions have already been answered because of the one thing that I pursue, the one thing that I desire. I want to make myself available to him every opportunity that I have. Amen. One thing. Say it with me. One thing. It helps me get my priorities straight. And if there's anything that our culture struggles with is what are the true priorities of life. You see, Paul had everything that our world is reaching for. He had pedigree. I mean, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He had a bloodline that went way back. It was very deep. He could have ridden the coattail of his own bloodline. He, he could have used that to his advantage. He could have thought of himself more highly than he should have. He had a pedigree that was impeccable. He had learned at the feet of the wisest men of the day. His credentials and his assets were phenomenal. And yet Paul said, I counted this all but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. You know, there's some things that when you really begin to focus on what really needs to be focused on, all of a sudden they don't seem quite as important. They don't seem quite as necessary. I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm just saying that they are taking me away from what I really need to be focused on. There are far too many people that rely upon their past or their pedigree to get them where they need to go. And I've got news for you. It's not going to take you far enough. What can my pedigree do to impress the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? What can my assets do to impress the God who has everything? What can my gifts do? for the one who gave all gifts. Amen. So when, when I really begin to live like Paul was talking about living, when I begin to order my priorities like Paul began to order his priorities, things started falling in place. When I have my priorities in the right place, it helps me to put emphasis on the right thing. Focus helps me set my priorities in order. What is most important? What is greatest of importance? What has precedent over other things? What really matters? You know what I love about growing up in my family as a child? Even when our family was not functioning as it probably should have, there was no question or debate in our family about church. Even when 
Certain individuals in my family were not even really living for God the way they knew they needed to live for God. It was never an option for me. You say, well, Brother Hughes, that sounds unfair to me. You, you know, they're not going to church, but they're making you go. They, I'm so thankful that they did. I'm so thankful that they set that priority in my life because that priority has helped me set other priorities in my life. When I really begin to focus on what really matters, it helps me get my priorities in the right order. It helps give definition and clarity to my life. First, it will define your goal. And once that goal is defined, then your goal will define you. And that's what I love about what Paul is sharing with us. When we get the one thing right, it helps us know what to do with the many things. Read it. He said, this one thing I do. Forgetting those things, plural, the many things that are behind, the many things that are still attached to me, when I get the one thing right, it helps me to know what to do with the many things that are still in my life. The trouble with so many people today is they're consumed trying to take care of the many things and they've forgotten the one thing. When you and I really begin to point our attention and our desire and our eyes on the right thing and we begin to focus on what really matters. It helps bring clarity to our life. It helps define the lines in our life so that we don't have to wonder, do I go there or do I not? Do I do this or do I not? The second thing that it does when you and I <clears throat> begin to live as Paul is speaking here, we gain not only a, a, an ordered set of priorities, but it helps us to point ourselves in the right direction. To me, this is one of the most critical things that Paul says. He said it like this, reaching forth unto. It means stretching forward. Underline the word forward. It gives us a forward mindset when we have really found the, the 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 one thing that matters and we focus on that one thing it helps to turn our mind in the right direction it keeps me out of the trap of my past and all of us have a past and many of us wish we could forget our past. I'm going to tell you how to forget it. Press, reach forth unto, reach forth 
unto. Turn your, you're not going to get over your past by continually staring at it by continually rehearsing it, by continually going back over and over all the things you did wrong. I get beat up enough on a daily basis by my own mind and I don't need a lot of help from anybody else. I can beat myself up all by myself. And usually I do it over what I didn't do back there and, and, and what happens is if I'm not careful, it's, it's a trap to get me turned away from where I really need to be focused and where I really need to be pointed. I need to be reaching forward and I want a forward mindset because a forward mindset is the only thing that I know of that will keep me out of the trap of my past. One translation said, I fasten my heart to the future. I love that. I fasten my heart to the future, my emotions, my desires. I want my life defined not by my past, but by my future. And I have a future with God. Amen. Too many times we spend much of our life looking back over our shoulder wishing that we could do something differently, that we could go back, that we could undo. I have news for you. There is no time machine to do that. And the only thing that that really is is a trap to lock you into that condemnation and that guilt and the shame, you should have done better, you should have done this, you should have lived this way, you shouldn't have said that. And the truth is, you shouldn't have, but you did. Now, the answer is repentance. I know that's an obsolete word in our culture, but it's still in the Bible. Repent. Amen. Repent. Repent. Ask God to forgive you and then turn and move in the direction that you should have been going in to start with. And here's what happens. When you have the right priority in your life, it helps keep your mind pointed that direction. It will not allow you to be taken back. It will not allow your mind to be pulled back into that past because there's too much before you that's drawing you forward. Amen. A forward mindset to me is the key to our perseverance. And it is the key to a perspective that helps us get through life. You know, if you're not careful and, and I'm not careful, we can, we can let life so jaundice our view that we, we're like the person, the proverbial person that looks at the glass and it's half empty. But it's really half full. Half empty, half full. The difference is half empty means it's going down. Half full means there's still something in the tank. I would rather live knowing I still have something in my tank 
than to live one. Well, if I'm, am I going to make it? Do I have enough to make it? Am I going to get through this? Am I going to overcome this? I'm going to overcome it because I know where I need to keep my eyes and my eyes need to be kept forward toward the goal, toward the prize that I'm pursuing. Amen. Number three, when you keep the main thing, the main thing, it helps nurture a staying power. Paul said it like this, I press, I strain, I stretch, I pursue, I run after. He was describing a passion, a passion that drives you, that motivates you, that keeps you going and is toward that prize. Amen. Focusing on the goal will bring a passion to my efforts that will help me get through the tough stuff that life throws in my pathway. Amen. I love that. To pursue. It's what Jesus talked about in having that second mile mentality. If someone asks you to go a mile, don't just go a mile. Go a second mile. The first mile is obligation. The second mile is opportunity. Amen. You know where the blessings of life are found? They're not in me just doing my obligations all the time. But they're in me going beyond that. And when you have that focus that Paul was talking about, when your eyes are directed toward him and you're looking toward that one thing, it has a way of helping put in you a fire that nothing can suppress, nothing can put down, nothing can stop you. There's no, I don't care what happens, rain, sleet, snow, it doesn't matter what comes, what happens in life, what kind of circumstances come in your pathway, there's a passion. All I want to do is reach. All I want to do is know. I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to fellowship him. I want to understand him. I want to walk with him. Amen. Passion. Paul said, I press. I like that word. The word press carries the idea of an intense endeavor. It gives you staying power. As Gideon and his men, the Bible said they were faint, yet pursuing them. That's how I want to live. Amen. Faint yet pursuing them. I'm going to tell you what this will do. It will help keep the quits away. Amen. I don't know if that's proper English or if that's even a good sentence, but that's how I'm that's how I put it. To, it will help keep the quits away. Amen. I'm pressing I'm pursuing. Not everybody's going to understand that. Some people are going to look at you and think, man, what is wrong with them? They need to chill out. I'm as chilled as I'm going to get, folks. <laughs> I'm as chill. I'm enjoying chilling right now, but I'm pursuing while I'm chilling. 
because there's one thing that I want. I failed in the past. I could get trapped back there. I've made mistakes in my past. I could live back there, but I learned a long time ago that's not where the Lord wanted me to live, and that's not what he designed my life for. He's got a future for me. He's got a promise for me. He's got good things to do in my life, and if I will keep my eyes focused on those things. Amen. The fourth thing that this will do, when you keep the main thing the main thing, it'll enable you to know what really matters in life. What really matters. The goal. Everybody say the goal. The prize. He talks about, I strive for the mark of the high calling. The word mark comes from the Greek word scopus. It's the word that we get our modern word scope from, like you use on a rifle. A scope is used to take something far away and bring it into a closer clarity to you and do away with the distance problem of natural eyesight and help you get your crosshairs on what you're trying to shoot. If you're a deer hunter, you understand what I'm talking about. You see something over there in the trees, but boy, when you lay that scope up there and it comes into better clarity, you know what's up there. That's what, when we keep the main thing, the main, when we don't allow life to muddle our priorities and we don't allow life to confuse us uh, 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 about where we're going or what we're reaching for and, and we're pursuing those things with a passion and a desire and a hunger and a thirst and, and, and there's real zeal about it. I, I, you know what scares me sometimes is how... Let me, let me make sure I put this right. How lazy we can be sometimes in pursuing spiritual things. It's like, well, well, you know, if it happens tonight, it happens. But it's going to have to happen because I'm not going to, I don't have the energy to make it happen. You understand what I'm talking about? We just kind of come in and go through the motions and, go through all the little moves and we sing all the words, but we never get the song. <laughs> we, 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 got the, we, we got the words, but we didn't get the melody. We, we didn't get the spirit of what was going on. And we go, we go through that, oh, God, help me. I, I, I have done that far too many times. I've come to church and just gone through it like it was just, well, you know, it's another Wednesday night, man. Mark that one off your calendar. Another one's coming next week. We'll get that one done here before too long. What would happen if we were to really understand that at any moment, God could step into our situation and turn it completely around, that this could be the night? You know, I remember years ago, one of the deadest dullest services I think I had ever been in in my life was a life-changing service for one man. Now, most people left there saying, I was sure glad when he got through. (laughs) It was five minutes too long. But one man, it changed the course of his life. 
one man. And it was on a day. I remember the first man that received the Holy Ghost when we came here. It was on Easter Sunday morning. We didn't have a very big crowd. We didn't have probably as many people as in this row right here. I don't even know if we had that many that Sunday. But this man came to visit. And I'll have to confess to you, we didn't have any of this. Our music back then was me on my guitar. That's pretty bad, if you can imagine that. There was nothing conducive to making that man feel like, man, this is the place to be. This has got cool music. This has got great worship. As a matter of fact, I don't remember there being a whole lot of worship that morning. I preached. And when I got through preaching, there was an altar call. And that man came walking down the middle aisle, stopped right in front of the pulpit, lifted up his hands, and in less than five minutes was speaking in other tongues. There wasn't a bunch of people around him praying. There wasn't a bunch of people around him talking in tongues. But you see, that man had been on a journey and had been through some rough places. And when he came into that place, he saw an opportunity and he took advantage of that opportunity and he pressed his way What great things happen when we strive for the mark, when we focus, when when we can get that, that one thing in our eyes, our lens. The scope helps you and I put the crosshairs on what matters and the target that we're reaching for, and it helps us stay there. And it blocks out all of the peripheral stuff You don't see the birds flying around. You don't see the trees swaying. You don't see anything else other than what is in that bullseye of that scope. It would be great if you and I could learn how to live that way. There'd be a lot less things get our ire up and take our victory away. Amen. There would be a lot more things that would roll off our back like water off a duck's back if we really had all that secondary stuff that so many people get caught up in. You know, one thing I learned a long time ago as a pastor, that when people come to me all excited, they expected me to get all excited with them. And they were animated and they were angry and blah, 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 blah. And you know what, I've always kind of been of the nature that I wanted to find out the real story before I reacted. And they would look at one, I can remember a particular person in my mind who came to me one day and so animated and just so, and I just stood there calmly and looked at him. And when we got through, he got madder because I didn't react than if I had have reacted. You know what? I'm not bragging. I'm just saying there's some things in life that are trying to get you all wound up right now, trying to get you all tied in knots 
worried, frustration, anger, bitterness, all this stuff. This is nonsense. But when you really get one thing in your focus and you've got one thing in your mind and one thing in your heart, it helps block out all of these other secondary things that do nothing but sap your energy and take away your spirit of perseverance. Amen. Some of us need to learn how to live with a blind eye and a deaf ear. Because I've learned this much about life. Some things are initiated to get a reaction out of me. And if I don't react to them, that's the danger of living life is if you become a reactionary. If you don't believe that, go back and listen. A few years ago, I preached about uh, Elijah. Go look at what happened to him when he began reacting to life. Jezebel said, you kill my prophets, I'm going to kill you. Before the day goes down, before the sun goes, I'm going to have your head. And when Elijah started reacting, the first thing he did was say, oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. So what am I going to do? He takes off with a servant to run and hide. Here's the guy that just a few hours before stood on Mars or, or stood on, on the mountain there and had stood down Baal's prophets and seen them destroyed and then went to a mountain and prayed until a cloud came up the size of a man's hand and ran out, ran a chariot into Jezreel. And yet here's a woman threatening him. And he takes off for the wilderness. That's what happens when you start reacting to life. And if you listen and read his story, he goes through the whole gamut of emotions. He starts feeling sorry for himself. He lays down under a juniper tree and he just says, oh God, just let me die right here. This is as far as I can go. Don't you know God must have been like chuckling a little bit he he there had to be a smile somewhere it's like Elijah you don't even know half of the story I still have something for you to do I have a work for there's a man there's a young man waiting to be anointed there's a young man that's waiting for a mantle to fall over his shoulder your time isn't up yet and yet when you start reacting to life and you lose sight of what really matters you can really put yourself in an interesting place. He wound up in a cave and God had to call him out of that cave and say, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? (laughs) Well, Lord, it's like this. I'm the only prophet left. I'm I'm the only one left. And I was just trying to preserve my life. God said, only one left. I have, I have hundreds that have not bowed their knee. Amen. Stand with me, if you will. I'm talking to you about how to get everything God has for you. This is how you do it. Amen. 
One thing I desire, one thing I pursue, one thing I pray, one thing I do. I forget those things which are behind. I press toward. I press forward. Amen. I want to keep my mind pointed in the right direction. Amen. You know what I've discovered the last few years? The greatest battle in my life has not been with outside things. It has been with internal issues. War in my mind. Tell me it's not so. I, my brother said it. I've said it. I don't need a devil to be bad. I can take care of that all by myself. I don't need a devil to ruin my life. I'm pretty good at doing those things by myself. But the greatest battle of my life has not been with drinking or cursing or smoking or taking drugs or cheating on my wife. The greatest battle that I have faced over the last few years has gone on between these two years. A war. A war between a carnal guy and a spiritual guy. (laughs) And I, I hope the spiritual guy is winning. I pray he is. But there's been a war and you know what I'm talking about because some of you are struggling with the same thing. You don't, you're not battling all of these outward temptation, but there's more things that go on in our mind to turn us away and turn us around and somehow get us going this way. Amen. And get us stuck back there when God's calling us up here. I want to tell you, church, I'm saying it again. I don't want my past to define me. I want God's future to draw me. Would you clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise right now? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Say it with me. One thing. One thing. Starbucks mastered it. Southwest mastered it. FedEx mastered it. If they could master it, certainly we ought to be able to figure out one thing. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Turn to your neighbor and say, one thing. One thing. Amen. One. Not a dozen. Not a half a dozen. Just one thing. Amen. It helps you keep the main thing the main. Amen. God bless you tonight. I love you.